So good to be here in Perth. Today I want to, I want to, well, I want to more teach than anything. And the, the strange thing was I was wrestling a bit, Pastor, with these thoughts. And uh, I'm glad God gave them to me before I spoke to my wife about them because she shared to the youth on Friday night, and that was outstanding, on those 10 life hacks, one on one. Really good. I was really blessed. I'm not as good as my wife. I've got no PowerPoint presentations to put up there for you. But uh, it was a, a thought that I, I had shared once before back in our own church. And the Lord really impressed upon it, my heart to teach this or speak this and preach this, call it what you like, with this message this morning. And very dear to my heart. And I want to share it to you because I believe it's going to give you more than just excitement. Hopefully it excites you too. But I want to put meat on your bones today. Sustenance to grow, not just for today. But in times of dryness and weariness, you can look back to what you hear this morning and, uh, and glean from the Word of God. And I want to share on this thought important things that my pastor taught me. Is that all right? Important things that my pastor has taught me. And I thank God for the man of God that he placed in my life and in my wife's life. Uh, Brother Slack, many of you know him, knew of him. Last year in April, he passed away at the age of 84. And he was a giant. I considered him a giant in my life and in my family's life. I was blessed that he baptized me. I was blessed that he married me to my wife. We Pentecostals stand for the word of God when it comes to marriage, strongly. (laughs) And... uh, he really was a mentor in many ways. He wasn't somebody that I saw on a Sunday. He was somebody that when I was going astray would ring me up. And I grew up, there was only one man that I was scared of growing up. That was my dad. And if you knew my dad growing up, you'd be scared also. I, didn't, I wasn't afraid of the police. I was afraid of being caught by the police because if they took me back to my dad, I was in trouble. But as a Christian, I didn't fear my pastor, but I reverenced him. Because when I was missing, he'd chase after me. The amount of times I was told, you better get back to church. Pastor's looking for you. And he said, if you're not there this Sunday, you'll be at your door on a Monday morning. You laugh. He meant what he said. Amen. Brother Slack was a great giant in the United Pentecostal Church of Australia. Served in numerous uh, board positions. Many of you remember him from years gone by. Brother, you remember from years ago. Many of you, yeah. Sister, you're over there with us. A great man that liked to invest in people's lives. Very graceful, very loving, but very straight and very honest. Rebuke from him was easily coming and always in love. And, uh, and I know for you that are here this morning, that have been around long enough, there are spiritual giants that God blessed you with growing up, that put things in your life, that put things that have kept you when they weren't around anymore, but yet the words that they spoke, the spirit by which they spoke with, has kept you in the house of God to this day. Many of us in ministry, not because we're all of that, but because God blessed us with a man or a woman in our lives that was loving enough to keep us on the straight and narrow and speak principles and, and the word into our lives, even when it didn't seem popular. And not, not, not words that would tickle our ears and make us feel good as such, but words that our soul needed to hear. And therefore, I want to speak to us on these I've got five things that Brother Slack taught me and I've never forgotten them. Never forgotten them because they mean so much to me. 
As a matter of fact, going over the message, I'm on a, uh, very emotional, but it, it moves me a little bit. It really does. And you've had your own spiritual giants, as I've said. Maybe you're a mother or a father that when you were lost, they prayed for you. And when you were worth giving up in your own eyes, they kept praying for you. And you're here today because of their prayers. I'm a product of a mum just like that. That when everybody had given up, even you gave up on yourself, there were people that did not give up. And that's why you're here today. Because somebody said, I refuse to give up on my son. And I refuse to give up on my daughter. I refuse to give up on my unsaved husband. I refuse to give up my unsaved wife. I'll keep praying. I'll keep believing. Even when they don't give me anything to believe for. Church, don't you ever give up. I said, don't you ever give up on a soul. Because amongst us today are people that we were lost. But somebody refused to give up. And I thank God for that. If you've been in this church long enough, you remember the influence of brother and sister Glass. Brother Glass, as I, I often tell you, is not getting any better. He's amazed at doctors. Still in a wheelchair. We preached on healing not long ago. So he got, into, he got pushed up in his wheelchair to pray for people for their healing. <laughs> he wasn't praying for himself. He was still laying hands. Can't speak clear words, just mumbled it sounds like. But he's praying for somebody's healing. He's praying for somebody to get the holiest. Why? Just because he's in a wheelchair doesn't mean God can't still heal. He still believes. There are giants amongst us even today. And you ought to, let me tell you something, friend. A good principle. You ought to learn off your pastor. I don't know why I went quiet there. T.D. Jakes is not your pastor. You might enjoy his ministry. He's not your pastor. You might like some of the preaching that comes from because of the time, national conference, youth camps, and other great events. They are great men and women of God, but they ain't your pastor. God didn't call you there. God called you here. Therefore, he put you under a great man and a great woman of God. And they're going to tell you things that you don't want to hear. Well, praise God for it. You'll be better for it. Remember when you were a kid and they told you to eat your greens? They're good for you. Brussels sprouts, what's that all about? They're disgusting, but they're good for you. And then sometimes God calls your pastor and leaders in the church to say things. That's the last thing that you want to hear, but it's the first thing that you need to hear. Amen. No, I didn't get to get for your pastor over these last couple of days and talk about the issues of church. As a matter of fact, we didn't. I actually bet a bit of my soul about some of the issues that we've got on the Gold Coast. Bless the Lord. So today I want to share some of the wise things that my pastor taught me that I'm extremely grateful for today. Priceless nuggets. Amen. That I remind myself of. They've brought me through tough times. They've molded my character, even though I'm still a work in progress, just like yourself. God hasn't finished with me yet. But they've helped me to grow. As a husband, I had no example in my life, upbringing, but I had a great pastor whose influence has helped me to be a good husband. And because of God in my life, I'm, I'm getting better every day. If you don't believe me, ask my wife. Honey, I'll let you go shopping if you say I'm good. <laughs> Take the credit card. Amen. Because my pastor was loving enough to speak into my life and to be an example, today I'm a better father because of his example. Trust me. <clears throat> a better servant of God. I, I believe I'm a better man today because I didn't rebel against the man of God. I didn't get offended by the man of God. I didn't get my nose in a, all twisted and all bitter and, and, and had to leave the church. Rather, I was 
thankful enough that what he invested in me, I took it to heart. And I believe I'm a better man for it. The church on the Gold Coast don't realize they, they like their pastor. They love me on the Gold Coast. They do. I don't know why. They love me. But I believe it's a bit of what I've been taught. Well, actually, it's a lot of what I've been taught and what I've grasped the hold of that has helped our church grow to where it is today. And so I want to share these thoughts with you this morning. And, and perhaps you're, 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 you're 10 out of 10 and all 5. Or maybe, I know today, that's why the Lord wants me to share these words. There are some areas that you're struggling with and God just wants to line you up once again. Amen. You're going the right direction, but sometimes we get a little bit detoured and we're going off track. We just need to be brought back in line to the purpose and the vision and the place that God has for us. Is that okay this morning? If I teach these five principles that if you'll get a hold of them, I tell you, your ministry will grow, your family will benefit, your church will benefit. Those you come in contact will benefit also. Amen. Praise God. Point number one. Brother Slack showed me and put it not just as an example to look towards, but he put it in my spirit, not in my mind, but in me. How to love God and how to love others, even my enemies. We came to the church uh, in 1985. I was talking to somebody about that this morning. During that time to when God called us to the Gold Coast, we saw many that he had raised up and been very gracious towards. Turn their back, betray him, walk away, badmouth him. But I didn't hear him badmouth them. Many times he'd say, you keep praying for them. You keep praying for them. You keep loving them. You keep believing that they're coming back. You keep believing that one day that they'll find their way back into the house of God and get refilled and renewed in the Holy Ghost. Don't write them off just yet. And over those years, I've seen many great ministers in our organization today that were the ones that he loved back into the house of God. Now, pastoring has taught me something. There are sometimes there are some people that it can be a bit challenging to love. Not here. This is the great place. This is the perfect house. But on my side of town, sometimes it can, it can be a bit challenging. But I remind myself, they may be a headache or a struggle for me right now. But God sees them possibly as the next minister, pastor, youth leader, worship leader, whatever he's got for them. All I've been called to do is just love them. Amen. Let them make their mistakes, but be there to catch them when they fall. Be them to pick them up when they fall flat on their face. They don't have to point the finger all the time and say, I told you so. You can say it to your wife or to your husband. I told you it was going to happen like that. But you be there to love them back into the house of God. Amen. He never showed bitterness or a desire for revenge. But he was always quick to forgive. There are times he could have destroyed people to, to vindicate himself and justify how right he was. And as a matter of fact, there was a time when I was only a young man and I gave my pastor some advice. <laughs> I did. I said, Pastor Slack, you, get, you ought to get on that pulpit this morning and just let the church know exactly what that person is all about. Just expose him for what he's worth. Because I had all the good advice for the pastor. And he said, son, God has never called me to destroy anybody. He's only called me to build people up. And if that means sucking it up for a season, I'll suck it up for a season. But let God... Let God restore. Let God bring back. Let God give me a heart not to be full of bitterness and, and anger, but let God give me a heart to love them. 
and bring them back. And such were some of us. Such were some of us. I'm not going to go into it today. <laughs> In your marriage, Brother Tenny, I like what he says. He says, people don't fall out of love. They fall out of forgiveness. And that's not just true in a marriage situation. That's always true in all types of relationships. People don't fall out of love. Not in the church of the living God. God is love. He surrounds us. He saturates us. But sometimes we fall out of forgiveness. They hurt me one time too many. No, 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 no. You forgot to forgive one time too less. <laughs> Amen. God give us a spirit. Amen. Jesus said these words, but I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. Pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Wow. Some tough writing there, Lord. Are you serious? Yeah. And he led by example. Forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. <laughs> Amen. God, help me to take this in my walk. To love people unconditionally. Not the ones that give the most in the offering plate. Not the ones that come and say hello to me all the time or are nice to me. But Lord, help me to love the troublemakers. Help me to love the ones that aren't so lovable in my own eyes as you loved me. Now, I don't know. I should have shared this with your pastor first. But in loving and not holding grudges. Brother Slack was always great on teaching on family priorities. He always taught us to put God first. Put your family second. And put church and ministry third. Now I hope I'm not touching on things that are different here. I'm safe. If not, he'll fix it up. Be here on Wednesday night. A teaching on what I said wrong. It might be a quick one. It might be a long one. We'll let you know by the end of this service. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, the Bible says, and his righteousness. And all things are going to be added. Very famous portion of scripture. We know it. Delight thy ways in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. That's the word of God. Put God first. I challenge you this morning. If you put God first, everything automatically falls into place. It just flows from the throne of God. Families. I was taught by my pastor. Make them a priority. Like Joshua declared, as for me and my house, you make up your mind, but I've made up mine. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And if God's called you into ministry, He's definitely called you into this church. That's why you're here. Keep coming. If you're a visitor, so am I. You've got the advantage over me. You can come again next week. I have to go back to the Gold Coast. But you keep coming. This is a great church. If you want your ears tickled, you're probably at the wrong place. But if you want to know what God's got for your life, keep coming. You're going to hear truth. You're going to hear the Word of God. But the Bible says, Faithful is He that has called you and will also do it. If you'll just keep loving God, loving the family of God, Loving the people that aren't a part of the family anymore. God's going to elevate you and cause you and use you to reach out and to stand in the gap. Amen. He's faithful. Bless God. Secondly, Brother Stack always taught us this next principle. The importance of submission and a teachable spirit. I know Annette touched on this. Now we're not venting. And what's not working on the Gold Coast? It's just something that's been with me for a long time. The importance of having a submissive and teachable spirit. Oh, but brother, I'll, I always do what the pastor tells me, as long as it, I like what he says. <laughs> brother Stake used to always talk about his pastor. 
and his mentor, a man by the name of Brother Bogue, who was a missionary from, I believe, Indianapolis in the States, came to Australia, felt the call of God, was actually offered a very large church and a successful church, but he felt the call to come to Australia, the land down under, where there was no church. Thank God for men that want to hear God's voice, that are submissive to the voice of God. Brother Slick always taught us submission is not agreement or not sharing the same opinion. Submission is putting yourself under the authority that God's placed in your life. I tell people that if you're not happy with our youth department, we have a youth leader. She acts under the, under the authority of the pastor. Don't come to me complaining about our youth leader because if you want to complain about our youth leader, then you're complaining about me. Don't come complaining to me about the music director. She's my wife for starters. But if you want to complain about the music director, she's been put in a place of authority because God elevated her there, not because she's my wife. And therefore you need to submit, if you're in that department, to her leadership. Don't, side, don't, don't sidetrack your, your, your problems to me. There's somebody in that role. You better submit to them. But I don't like to submit to them. Then you're in the wrong ministry. You need to get back to the altar. You need to get back to the not my will, but thy will be done, Lord. Amen. Anybody got a teachable spirit? You cannot be teachable if you can't submit. <laughs> You're reading a self-help book. You've got no one telling you how it is. You've got no one directing you and speaking into your life. I tell you, young men and young women, let me speak to our young ones for a moment. If you want to be the person that God wants you to be, you ought to start, start or continue. I think continue would be the better word right now. Continue being teachable and flexible. When your pastor tells you to do something, you do it. I've got people telling me all the time that they want to help out. And they select where they want to help out. It's usually on this side of the church. Pastor, I'm teachable. I'm some, you get me on this side of the building, I'll do whatever you say. There's enough on this side of the building. We need people on that side of the building. We need people doing the stuff that nobody sees. The stuff that gets the church working. Oh, but pastor, I don't want to do that. Not my will, Lord, but thy will be done. You know, Brother Slack used to always say after every sermon nearly, wow, I learned something today. What do you mean you learned something? There were times he'd actually say to me, because, oh, you really spoke the word into my life. I'm thinking, are you kidding me? You've been in this for 50-something years. Your Bible's falling to pieces. There's more hand notes than there is written word from all his studies. And yet God's still teaching him and speaking into his life. Why? Because you will never get to a point where God's given you enough that you're a know-it-all. You keep yourself like you keep yourself like clay in the potter's hand. God's got so much more for you. Just when you thought you arrived, it's when you begin to realize you haven't gone near it yet. But keep being teachable. Keep being submissive. If your pastor pulls you aside and sheds truth into your life that doesn't feel good and it hurts a little bit, you thank God for those moments. They're priceless. They will get you into the place that God wants you to be. You don't need to look for a church where the pastor tells you everything that you want to hear. They probably just really want your money and you to be a number in their church. You need to be into a place where somebody's not afraid to tell you what God wants for your life. Amen. I can tell you many times I was brought before the pastor and he wasn't telling me how much he loved me. But he will show me how much he loved me by rebuking me in love and telling me to fix up a few things in my life. And I'm so glad I did. Amen. You ought to hunger for a teachable spirit today. The Bible says, submit yourselves therefore unto God. 
Resist the devil and he shall flee. I hear so many people telling me, I can resist the devil and he's got to flee. If you don't submit to God, no devil's ever going to flee from your presence. He's already got you exactly where he wants you. But something happens when you submit yourself to God. Every man and every woman that God's placed in your life, it's not hard to submit to them. It's not hard to be teachable and hear the voice of God through their ministry. Because you're doing it as unto God. Amen. Let me ask you. Can your pastor, again, we didn't, we didn't speak about the problems in this church. So I don't know if there are any issues. There's got to be some issues. There's a lot of people here. <laughs> but we haven't had a chat about you behind your back, which makes it easy to say this next thing. Do you allow your pastor to speak into your life? I love it when it gets awkward like this. No one's falling asleep, so it can't be that boring. But it gets a little bit quiet. Can you go behind the pulpit again? <laughs> Jacob, go beyond the pulpit again. You make me feel uncomfortable. Can your pastor speak into your life? <laughs> I love Brother Moses. Man, great man here. I believe he's the youth leader this year. Sister Frost, you did a fantastic job. Sister Emma. Fantastic job. Over the years, your pastor has always spoke so highly of you. And now the, the baton's being passed on to Moses. Hey, young people, don't get telling every child, everybody else how oh, you can do a better job or he should have chosen somebody else or if Sister Emma was still there, it would be so much smoother. Friend, be teachable. Be submissive. God's called the next man. God spoke to the pastor and now you've got a new youth leader. I tell you what you ought to do if you've got a problem, speak to the Lord. And if you're willing to hear, that conversation's going to end pretty quickly. So I ask you, how uncomfortable is on this side? Is it awkward here? I don't usually walk around the church, but if your pastor taps on your shoulder and says, Hey, brother, hey, sister, my wife and I need to speak to you after church. What do you do? Do you look for the things that you've done wrong that week and who you spoke against him to? I spoke to who? I speak to this. I spoke to Sister Linda, but did we speak against No, we didn't speak. She, she loves the pastor. Well, it couldn't have been her. Do you get nervous? I've got, got my neighbours here in our church. They're lovely people. There was a time I said, oh, Robert, I need to speak to you. Just casual, chat, nothing serious. So I came back that afternoon and I walked into the house. Man, the house was spotless. The, the coffee was already waiting and they're sitting at the table. Pastor, is everything okay? I said, yeah, man. I was just going to talk to you about handing out the pamphlets down Tweed. <laughs> What's wrong? What are you so nervous for? No, I love your pastor. He's big. He's a tall man. He's a strong man. But he's not scary. He's not the boogeyman. He's the man of God. Sometimes I think, I don't know, maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just me. Because I know when I wasn't right with God, and Brother Slack wanted to speak to me, no problem, pastor, we'll speak after altar call. After altar call. Those red eyes and bags underneath, I got right with God first. Pastor, you wanted to speak to me? Yes, yeah, son, can you preach next week? Are you kidding me? I've been crying at the altar like a baby, repenting for everything that I've done wrong. Not buttering the bread properly. Forgive me, Lord. There's a reason why we get nervous sometimes. God's testing our spirit through the man of God. And we know that sometimes we're not where we should be. And we fear that God's going to speak into our lives. Don't fear it. Embrace it. Embrace the teachable spirit. 
where you can allow God to use men to speak into your life. Why? Because He's making you the person that He wants you to be. If He can't speak into your life, you're missing the voice of God. And if you're missing the voice of God, you're missing the will of God. And if you're missing the will of God, you're going down the wrong path. But make yourself teachable by submitting yourself to God, the man of God, and the people He's placed in your life. So I'll ask you again. As a matter of fact, before the service is over, maybe you need to shed a few tears out an altar. I don't know. You need to get your servant to a position where the man of God can speak into your life. Where you can say, yes, pastor, I probably wouldn't have done it that way, but because you said, I'm going to do it that way. I, I probably don't like what he wants me to do, but I'm going to do it anyhow. When I felt the call to ministry, I was blessed to clean the church. It taught me a lot. Got to LA, we, we started praying, we used to clean the church, we used to start praying over the chairs. There's a lot of chairs in our church. And sometimes they'd come on a Sunday morning and we'd have anointed every chair with oil and prayed over every chair in that building. God, let this person feel the Holy Ghost tomorrow. I don't know who's going to... Some people didn't even sit in those seats. Maybe it was too much anointing on those ones. I don't know. Why? Because I got to clean the church. The pastor's asked me to do something, so I might as well do it with all my heart. Give it the best I've got because God's got the man of God speaking to give me opportunities. Are you teachable? Amen. I'll move on before get you too uncomfortable. Amen. I, I pray this morning in a sincere, on a sincere note, I pray that you make yourself teachable. Sometimes we get so easily offended at the smallest things. Why? After we just pray, Lord, you make me the man I want to be and somebody comes and speaks into our life that's got authority. They shouldn't have said that, but you just prayed, Lord, speak into my life. So we're speaking into your life. I could go all day on this one and watch you squirm in your seats, but I won't. I'll move on. Very important. Take these principles. Again, I'm so glad that my pastor taught me these things. Brother Slack taught us the importance of biblical truth. <laughs> I didn't do too good at school. I drank more than I studied. As a matter of fact, I never studied. I regret those days. But when I came into the church, Brother Slack put such a love for the Word of God in our hearts. We had, we, he put such a love for this doctrine. Such a burden to stand up and to tell people, listen, there's only one God. We sang that today. Read the Bible. Again, I wasn't the smartest cookie in the place, but I'm telling you, he put such a love in my spirit to know God, to know that there's only one God, not to be confused in any other way, that, hey, I'm going to stand up against anybody and everybody. I remember going to, to some educated ministers of other beliefs and saying, hang on, you got it wrong. Because the Bible says, I wasn't afraid. I wasn't afraid to stand on the streets and preach, hey, you need to repent of your sins and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. Because the Word of God said it. And God, God, through the man of God, gave me such a love for the Word of God and for the truth of His Word. It would have been so easy to water down some of the things that we see. But it's not my word to water down. Therefore, friend, let me encourage you as, a, as, as believers. Some of you have been here longer than others. Some of you might be new converts. You get yourself into the Word of God. You begin to understand some of the myths that some of the churches are preaching out there today and get acquainted with the truth of God's Word. I get people telling me, you guys make too much of a deal about Jesus' name, baptism. Really? Really? 
You guys talk too much about baptism. Are you kidding me? I find it in Matthew. I find it in Mark. I find it in Luke. I find it in John. I find it in Acts. I find it in Romans. I find it in Corinthians. I find it in Ephesians. I find it in Galatians. I find it in Colossians. And I find it in First uh, Peter. And you want to tell me that we make too much a deal about Jesus' name baptism? Are you kidding me? You make too much deal about money. But let me tell you, I'll make as much deal as I can about the Word of God. You want to get a hold of God's Word and love it like you've never loved it before? You want to allow the man of God, God Himself, to speak into your life? Don't be offended when somebody tells you, Hey, you ought to get, you need to get baptized in the name of Jesus. They're not trying to offend you. They're just telling you what Jesus said. That repentance and remission of sin is going to be preached in my name beginning at Jerusalem. They're just telling you what my wife read before. Neither is there salvation in any other. There is no name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Young people, let me tell you, there might be some fancy preachers out there that are making millions on the TV. They look all slick and, and, and sharp. But if they're not preaching truth, they're not worth your time. You ought to get in your nose into the Word of God. Get into the book that transforms lives. Don't be afraid to tell people, I spoke in tongues when the Holy Ghost fell, and I still speak in tongues when the Holy Ghost falls. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Young, for all of us today, don't you ever be afraid to separate yourself from the world. There is a difference between the world and the church. The church is supposed to shine in darkness, not to look like the world. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm not going to touch and stand. It's not my job. But if I can just say this week we have church in the mornings and, and in the afternoons there was another group that was hiring the building. They're not there anymore. Thank the Lord. But as we're walking out, they're coming in to set up. Somebody asked me, who are they? I said, well, they're another church. They're a church? Really? They're a church? They thought it was a rock group getting ready for music practice. If you saw what we saw, you know what I'm talking about. You ought to stand out as lights in darkness. Darkness has no effect upon the light. Darkness can't comprehend light. We are children of the light. Stand out, be different. Not because you, you, you want to be, but because when you're different, they get attracted to it. The world needs to see a church that's refused to compromise. They, want it, they need to see a church that's going to stand by the word of God. Don't tell me what I want to hear. I had that before I came into Pentecost. But I'm so glad that somebody opened up the Word of God and said, this is what the Word says. Amen. You ought to love the Word of God with everything that's within you today, church. Thank God for every Bible study you've ever had the time to go to. Thank God for every teacher that stood there and, and shared the Word of God. And it might have been different from where you came from. But it was the Word of God. Bless God. Thank God for truth. Jude said, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Let me tell you, this church is preaching the same message that the Apostle Peter preached on the day of Pentecost. We make no apologies for it. We make no, no excuses for it. We just preach it as it is, as it was, and as it always will be. Amen. It turned their world upside down, and we want to turn this upside down world right side up. Get it all back to the right way it's got to be, according to the Word of God. There's many places you can go this morning, they're going to tell you exactly what you want to hear. Don't go there. They're dangerous. They are dangerous. Extremely dangerous. Because what you want to hear is not what you need to hear. Amen. Praise God. 
I'm going to rush these next two points in. Brother Slack taught us about grace and mercy. He taught me every time that I fell, which was and is many. You've got to get back up, son. You can't wallow in your mire. You can't suck your thumb and feel sorry for yourself. Understand the grace of God. He says, the Bible says, though I fall, I'm going to rise up again. Rejoice not against me, I'm my enemy. When I fall, not if or maybe, perhaps. When I fall, I shall arise. I'm telling you, friend, there, there are times we do fall and fall short of the grace of God. And such were some of us or all of us here today. But I'm telling you, Brother Slack always taught me, not only does God's grace reach out to me when I fall, but when you see a brother or sister for you ought to reach out with the grace of God and bring them back up again also. Amen. Churches grow when we love sinners, when we love backsliders. I preached about it at conference. It's my theme for the year. Restoration. I'm a product of it. I can't stop. I can't stop thinking about that theme. Restoration. Love them back. It's amazing. I told those who were there that we had a list of those that have left the church on bad terms. We're praying that they come back. Three weeks after the conference, a man that hadn't been coming for two years, was never committed, his wife was, they broke up at this season. But he came back to church. He got the Holy Ghost three weeks ago. (laughs) He was never interested when he first came. He got the Holy Ghost three weeks ago. I wasn't even there. I got the report. They said, he's a big muscly fellow, works in the mines over these ways. We're used to anyhow. They said the Holy Ghost was so thick upon him. You all know Sam Rainima. Thank God a strong Sam Fiji and Sam from Sydney. He had to hold him up because he was so overwhelmed by the power of God. He was so saturated in the Holy Ghost. And then I, this morning, as we were in our bedroom, I've asked people to take the attendance at church. They sent me a photo. I'm looking in the photo. That's his wife. She hasn't been in the church for two years. She's in church this morning for children. Don't you ever give up on somebody. Don't you ever give up on somebody. Let me tell you, they spoke against us. They told people in the church that Grace Point's growing nowhere. Going nowhere. It's not going to grow. It's going to die. There's no vision. The church is going nowhere. They told them that it's not, it doesn't have what the other churches have. We haven't got that cool image. We're not youthy and hip, hipsters and loaded with money. I mean, they're passed by one of the poorest people in Pentecost. Bless the Lord. But there they are, back in the house of God. I've told the church, don't you ever judge somebody out of the house of God. Let them talk, let them mock, let them judge, let them make fun. You don't know what's going on. You keep loving, you keep praying, extend the mercy of God. Bless God. And I'm meeting up with them this week to have a bit of a chat. Thank God. I might have to get them back to point two before I talk to them, I don't know. But that fifth point. Brother Stack always talked about the importance of church attendance and godly fellowship. Now, now I'm talking to the people this morning that are in church. So I can't go too hard because you're already here, right? But I don't know how consistent you are, so maybe I can keep going. I had somebody tell me a couple of weeks ago, Pastor, I'm not going to be in church today. There's too many things happening in my life. I said, then you need to be in the church more now than when nothing's going wrong in your life. Can I tell you something, a privilege I live by? I preach it so often on the Gold Coast, I think they're sick of it, but they'll get more of it. When you don't want to go to church, that's when you need to be here the most. When you wake up four hours early and you're already in your suit because you're so excited to be here, that's great. Keep coming. Don't stop. Bring somebody with you. But that morning that you just don't want to come to church, you're offended by the pastor, 
you're offended by the weather, you're offended by the trees, you're just offended because you're just in a bad mood. You haven't prayed, you haven't read, you're just offended. You ought to drag yourself to church. Tell somebody, brother, sister, this is, I'm not doing too good. Just drag me to church. Come in your pajamas if you have to. I don't know. Just get to the house of God. Make sure you brush your teeth first, please. But just get into the house of God. I tell you, coming to church is more than just a religious duty. It's more than just what you do. It's who you are. I'll say that again. Coming to church is more than what you do. It's who you are. You are the church. This building is housing the church. When you're missing, there's a piece of the church missing. So when you don't want to come to church, remember these words. When you're down and out, when you're discouraged, when, when everything's coming against you, remember, if you remember anything, remember what I say now. Force yourself into the house of God. Because in His presence, you can't build up the presence of God sometimes by yourself, but they all can. And if you can just get into the presence of God, friends, Brothers, that used to always say to us, the days you start missing church are the most dangerous days of your life. You've got to get yourself there in the house of God. Amen. A very beautiful story there in Acts chapter 27. Paul's making his way to Rome. And they're in a boat. And the boat's going from one area to the next on their journey. But then Paul's warned them about a storm. They don't take his advice. They keep sailing. But just before Malta, Melita in your Bibles, which is Malta today, the storm, it's really bad. And so they start saying to each other, we need to jump ship. We need to jump out of the boat and keep swimming to the shoreline. But Paul says, don't you dare jump out of the boat. Stay in the ship. The storm's going to come. The boat's going to be smashed to pieces. But if you stay in the boat, you're going to be saved. That makes no sense to me. If you tell me I'm on a boat and there's going to be a shipwreck, and that boat's going to be ripped to pieces, I'm thinking I better just jump out give it a go, right? No, the principle that Paul gave was, you stay in the boat. And that's a principle that, principle that my pastor always taught me. There are times you just need to stay in the boat. That boat being the church of God. There are times you want to jump ship, maybe the green, grass is greener on the other side. No, friend, it's never greener on the other side. It gets dry and brown when you turn up. You ought to stay in the ship where God's placed you. You ought to keep your feet planted. If you don't feel like being in the house of God, you've got to drag yourself. Maybe have a chat to the enemy. Say, listen, you don't want me to go to church, but I'll drag myself to church if I have to. I've got to be in the presence of God. Amen. I'll come to a close now. How to love God and others, even my enemies. The importance of submission and a teachable spirit. A love for biblical truth without compromise. Showing God's grace and mercy to self and to others. And the importance of church and godly fellowship. Godly fellowship. Godly fellowship. Dr. Phil is not your psychologist. How about that? Cash me outside. Some of you saw that stupid clip. Oprah, she's lost the plot. Don't think she ever had it. You don't need to put on the TV and listen to Ellen the Degenerate to get spiritual advice. You need to get to the Word of God and realize God's calling into the family of God. Get godly fellowship. Listen to godly counsel. Talk to your pastor for 
godly wisdom. Because sometimes we lack. Sometimes I lack. But we need to find it in the family of God. Why don't we stand this morning? Again, not the usual type preaching this morning. But five things that my pastor taught me. So often I lay on my bed while I'm driving my car. And, I, and I've said it a several, several times in the last 12 months or less. Oh, to hear my pastor's voice one more time. Oh, to hear Brother Slack talking into my spirit one more time. Just to hear his loving rebuke even. Just one more time. But he's not here. He's gone to his reward. But he left me with Bible principles. Spiritual truths. That if you grab a hold of these this morning, maybe God spoke to you in some areas. Maybe God spoke to you in one specific area today. That you need to get down and say, Lord, I need some help in that area. I don't know. I don't know you. You know you. Maybe you're struggling with Bible truth. Maybe you're wrestling with the concept of being baptized in Jesus' name when you've already been baptized another way. That's all right. But why don't you come and spend some time with the Lord and speak to him about it. Make an appointment with the pastor. Maybe you haven't been teachable. Maybe you've been wrestling within yourself about what you want to see in the church that the pastor's not doing. Maybe that's a good time to say to your pastor, forgive me. (laughs) Maybe this is a good time to say, Lord, just get me right onto the word. Take away the spirit of compromise. Help me to love others that have hurt me today. Maybe you've been wounded by somebody. Words spoken, actions done, and therefore you're struggling today with a fiery dart that got through your shield of faith and, and got you somewhere where it hurts. And now you're struggling with that brother or you're struggling with that sister. Maybe it's time to say, Lord, I've got to get to the altar. Or maybe godly fellowship hasn't been godly anymore. And now you're seeking advice from ungodly people. Maybe it's time to say, Lord, I've got to get away from the ungodly influences of my life and surround myself with some spiritual giants. Or maybe you're going really hard on yourself and condemning and not giving God an opportunity to flow His grace into your spirit. I don't know. But Jesus is here right now. Where do you stand? How many points stirred your heart this morning? How many resonated in your spirit that you ought to do something right now? Don't wait for tomorrow. But this morning, I want to invite you to the altar. Why don't you spend some time with the Lord in prayer? As we begin to worship, why don't you do something with the Word of God besides just say amen? Why don't you apply it right now as you bring it to the foot of the cross, as you bring it to the presence of the Lord and say, Jesus, this is where I'm at. Help me, Lord. Strengthen me, Lord. Have your way. Come, friend. The altar is open. I give you this opportunity to spend some time with the Lord in prayer.